0: You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update for the week of October 8th, 2018. Do I start or do you start? Who wants to start?
1: Um, either way. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Hey, everybody.
0: That was enthusiasm.
1: Hello, everybody. (laughs) There we go.
0: Hi, everybody. This is Tony Stevens.
1: And this is Claire Stanley.
0: And I'm the Director of Advocacy and Government Affairs with the American Council...
1: And I am the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist at ACB.
0: And this is episode number three. Numero numero three. Jinx. Jinx. Uh, For the ACB Advocacy Update, I I was out for a few days and have not checked our email to see how many more submissions. I'm I'm sure our email box is overflowing with submissions. Uh, I think what we can maybe do is uh, the next episode we do, we can try to uh, also ask for a vote. Since we're going into election season, for our voting episode of the podcast, which will be two
1: weeks,
0: Uh, we can focus on having a vote leading into that podcast, since we will be talking about voting later in the month. Today is a very special day, uh, because it's a special month, Mm -hmm. and so we're focusing this episode of the ACB Advocacy Update on all things employment, because this week is...
1: This month is, October, is National Disability Employment Advocacy Month, MDEM.
0: We will be talking about uh, all things sort of employment policy related. There's some activity on the Hill, even though Congress is out on recess right now. They are, the House, the House side at least, uh, I shouldn't say all of Congress, but the House of Representatives has, has, is out for getting ready for the election, which will be November 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Senate is finishing up some business. They'll, they'll I'm sure, go into recess as well. We'll talk a little bit about WIOA and what exactly is competitive integrated employment. What does that mean for folks that might not know what it means? Why is it playing such a key role in in where we are with trying to get employment? I think at the the beginning, though, we need to talk a little bit about just sort of what is the – what are the challenges, what are the obstacles, what are the struggles? And particularly, we look back at 28 years since the passage of the ADA. Mm -hmm. Uh, Claire, I know you'll be talking a little bit about Title One of the ADA, which focuses on employment. And we'll talk about some other federal acts and bills and laws, and we pass these bills, and and we're still just a little bit marginally better. And it might just be because the way we count numbers now, yeah, marginally better than where we were 28 years ago. Not
1: a huge change, though, unfortunately.
0: Not a huge change. You know, we've made the world more accessible. We have found technology that can really augment the the human perceptions and and take the place of you know for people who are blind or visually impaired take the place of our eyes but we're still faced with huge hurdles and Mm -hmm. challenges we're still at roughly the the u.s census conducts the american community survey uh, each year and so that is a snapshot of american life and the vision impairment section is still roughly at about two-thirds of folks uh, are not employed, meaning they're not even looking for work. It's not that they're unemployed, and this is a number that oftentimes gets skewed when we talk about the unemployment rate for people with disabilities. That rate is still, yes, significantly higher than the average rate. We're at, you know in the 4% range right now for national employment. But then we talk about people that have just left the workforce or people that never even entered the workforce to look for a job, and that's the non-employment rate. Not unemployment, but non-employment. If you're unemployed, that means you're Looking for work still, and you just don't have a job. Actively
1: searching. Exactly,
0: yeah. you're actively searching. That's that is roughly ten to fifteen percent. I haven't seen any recent data around that, but you know it's still skews significantly higher than the uh, unemployment rate of, of the regular uh, community, larger community that we mm-hmm. are a, a part of. But we talk about the the out of the workforce, not even looking in the workforce, and that's roughly the two thirds. And I think in a lot of ways that that deals with much larger conversations we talk yes. about employment with systemic barriers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and and I, I I got a few in my head. What are the big ones? But Claire, I'm going to throw it to you. What we talk about the two thirds number? What you know specifically? I think I saw something like sixty three percent in recent data. Uh, is, is not looking for work, not part of the workforce, w- what are some of the barriers in your head? What hell, I'm scratching my head here for that magic silver bullet that could fix all of this. What, what yeah. are your thoughts?
1: Um, I think there's a lot of different things. Um, I think to people I know that I've grown up with who are blind or visually impaired, who I can look to now who aren't employed... Um, Some who are actively searching for jobs, but some who might not be actively searching for jobs, kind of both sides of it. And I think there's a lot of issues. I think some of it is, um, I don't psychological is the word that's coming to mind. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think people just don't feel... um, encouraged to go and look for a job because they think, well, who's going to hire me or it's not going to be worth it or they don't have that motivation from the get go to look for it. You know, a lot of people will hear I'm sure we'll talk about in the future, the idea of like, well, I don't want to lose my benefits, so I won't work Um, all kinds of misconceptions about what they actually can have access to. So misunderstanding to public services, just kind of that psychological effect of, well, nobody's going to hire me anyway, so what's the point? Um, Misunderstandings about the accommodations you can get under Title I of the ADA and many other different laws out there, or misunderstanding about the services that are actually out there through your school districts, and then on to vocational rehab and helping you get a job. So just a lot of misunderstanding and psychological kind of doubts and stuff out there. Um, I know for me, when I graduated from college, I thought, wow, I have this great degree now. You know, we were always told growing up, you go to college and you'll get a degree, and then you're gonna be well-suited for a job. And I mean, we know even outside the disability community now, that's not necessarily the case, but even more so for people with disabilities, I had this great degree and I applied for job after job after job and just couldn't get a job and it was the most discouraging thing and I thought well what was the point of that you know I spent thousands of dollars on this great education put all this time and energy into studying and great now nobody will hire me what was the point of that so um, yeah I think there again there's a lot of um, societal barriers, psychological barriers, misunderstanding about services that people have access to, um, yeah so I think we could talk all day about you know the myriad of different um, obstacles that present themselves for people with disabilities and the blind community specifically.
0: I want to dial it back a little and then hit on two things that you <laughs> talked about that I think yeah. were really important one is the psychological and, and I think you and, you and I are unique in that we lost our sight during school age years. At yeah. least I did. I was fifteen.
1: Yeah, I was a little younger. But yeah, yeah it's little still younger. But
0: yeah, so uh, and kind of went into the to the system as it were. You know, yeah. there's there's an interesting book, 50s, early 60s. I think it was then rewritten, reprinted, uh, revised, or whatever you call it in the publishing world, called "The Making of a Blind Man" or "Men." I can't remember the name. I'll pull, I'll, I'll try to get some show notes or something like that and put it together. Um, but it talks about sort of the industry that that is the service industry, this the, the biz, the blind biz, the we biz. sometimes say. Yeah. Um and, and so we kinda grew into that. Um my my wife who was a low vision doc for a, a rehabilitation center, kind of saw the other side of the of the equation and I think that which is the larger piece of the equation, where we have more and more people now who are losing their sight later in life. We've we've done great job of eradicating or at least Curtailing, we haven't gotten rid of blindness among youth and children and people who are born with a condition or or you know lose their light, light sight early in years, but uh, we've got, we've really you know curved the numbers a lot. Like diabetic retinopathy was a huge cause of blindness when I was a kid, when I was born, uh, which is or not not diabetic retinopathy, sorry, retinopathy prematurity. Right,
1: ROV, Yeah, um,
0: are, yeah, which is the incubators. Um, But that's turned now to where, like, diabetic retinopathy for working-age adults is now the leading cause of blindness. Yeah. Uh, Because diabetes is more prevalent in 40- and 50-year-olds, and folks are losing their sight because of it. So, uh, you know, when we were kids, like ROP and um, things like that, you know, some of these conditions, they're making really great strides in, in retinitis pigmentosa, which is a leading cause of genetic Uh, Condition that causes blindness—they're on the verge of eradicating that through uh, stem cell and other type of gene research, gene therapy. Uh, But you know, when we talk about the employment side, um, the fact that we have a lot of forty and fifty-year-olds that are losing their sight—and you—you raise the point of not knowing what's out there or Mm -hmm. the confusion of what's out there. Not. Not raising, not having someone two years ahead of you that's also in the local cluster of students with vision impairment and, and you know, an integrated school system. And you know what they go through, so you know what's ahead of you, right? Yeah. You kind of look down the tracks, as it were. You can
1: say, oh, that's how you did it. Yeah, that's can how you, you did it. Because there were people that you were just and, yeah. around
0: by association exactly. of being a kid.
1: Yeah.
0: And, and peers and things like that. But my wife would have people that were sitting on a couch for a year doing nothing. Mm-hmm. They went blind. And ophthalmologists are great at telling you, uh, you know, everything until they can't help you. And then they kind of just say, I'm sorry, you yeah. know, and they kind of leave you hanging. And so people don't know how to enter the system. They don't know how to get on Social Security or maybe they'll they'll get on Social Security and not realize they could even go to work. And that goes into the other Huge big Huge misconception you hear
1: all the time. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. we get, uh, most of the calls I feel like I get, and, and I don't know if this is the same for you, that are people in crisis, people need help. Are people with like social security issues or insurance yes. issues like the, they are getting into the system, getting enrolled into the the safety net system, uh, but they can't even think of working yet, and that's that's a yeah. psychology issue as well. Uh, we we don't teach people how to live in their new skin as someone mm-hmm. who, who can't see, and that it's okay, and that you can you can overcome it. And I um, mean, you know, there's problems we we never talk about the depression of blindness, and and how much that alone can put people out of the work I mean there's millions of people out there that aren't working that can see perfectly well but they suffer from depression Mm -hmm. and it it, it paralyzes them in their rooms each day and they just they sit in the dark because they choose to close the blinds and close the doors
1: I get told by people all the time who meet me on the metro or whatever, well, wow, you're so, you know, amazing yourself because I know X person with X disability who just stays home and does nothing. You know, it's rare to see people like you. And I just think, but your Joe Schmo friend can do the same thing. They're just lacking the that support to, you know, yeah. deal with those psychological, you know, um, times of their life and work through it. And I guarantee you, your friend can do the same thing. You just have to grieve and go through that Whole
0: process and when you were when you were you know going up through the school system because i'm thinking about mentoring and how mm-hmm. there needs to be and maybe this is something you know there there is money set aside in the federal rehab system that i think folks aren't doing enough of around mentoring as one of the self-advocacy self-empowerment sort of tracks of what's called pre pre-employment transition services mm-hmm. that's a rehab term evoke rehab term for folks that don't know yep uh, pre-ETS they call it and, and there's one of five things you know there's these five things that, that federal government funds for one of those is self-advocacy and within that is sort of like mentoring can be sort of part of that
1: huge yeah uh,
0: and I think you know I, maybe I just had really good mentors like what was it that got me out of that depression because I was depressed as a kid there's no doubt about that and, and you know and self low self-esteem Um, I don't know if you experienced that as well, but did you have mentors?
1: I had mentors. I think for me, one of the biggest things initially was my TVI, my teacher of the visually impaired. She just expected. She had high expectations of her students, and I think that was huge for me. She said, so what are you going to do? And she really pushed me. And then, yeah, kind of like you were talking before, I had a lot of peers who were just a few years older than me and a few years older than that. And so I saw them going through the system and oh look you know she applied for a four-year university and oh she did it and you know just having that like role model to look up to and think i can do that too
0: no you're right my my tv i think of as well was she she just didn't change me to become independent she changed my life yeah i never thought of going to college before i went blind like i wanted to be the roadie for van halen Is what (laughs) i I had down and like you know like you had to take i remember when i went blind i had to go take these like career assessment things to get services and all stuff and um, I, I literally remember saying, I want to be a roadie. Like, I just want to tour with bands and play music. And, and, and you know, that, that totally changed. But it was all because my TVI. She used to say, up, Chuck, because I would always hang my head down. I never looked people in the eyes after I went blind. And I think I was just real depressed, too, uh, after it happened. Because I was mm-hmm. 15, and um, she'd always be like, up, Chuck. And, and, you know, mentors, I think, if there are ways that we can find mentors for the new people who we need to go out there and do a better job of finding who just went blind or who's going through it and how can we mentor them? How can we get ahead of the curve? So that's, that's, that's how, maybe that's one of the checks so we can put this down. I'm going to create this little, I have this giant board next to me and I'm I'm writing things down and that's going to be a check. Um, I'm not actually writing things down but I'm trying to (laughs) paint a picture if you will or describe our, our setting. Um, all right, but then we get into the big picture because you mentioned it as well. Going for interviews, interviews after interviews after, after interviews, and guess what? You know, uh, no no luck.
1: There's always this great discussion that I've seen on a million different um, chat groups and discussion boards about when do you disclose? Because obviously when you walk in the office... You gotta disclose, you know. I guess if you're low vision, you could hide it a little bit. But those of us with guide dogs or white canes, there's no denying a hard it. Hard
0: to hide it, yeah. Um,
1: but there's this great discussion about how long do you go before you disclose? You know, if you've applied online and you're talking on the phone and that kind of thing. And I have to confess that I have usually kept it quiet until the absolute moment I can, because I'm afraid, and I've had those those burns, you know, and those negative experiences and I'll put the caveat out there that there is no right or wrong answer. That's the, um, you know, consensus I've come to with every chat group I've ever been on, that there is Mm -hmm. no right or wrong answer to that question. But it's hard, you know. You're like, when do I say something? Because, you know, I'm so afraid they're just going to shut down. And, oh, you're blind, you know, next candidate. So,
0: No, I know. And it's, I think a huge thing is just, yeah, it's the misconception yeah. The, 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 the idea that people say, oh, I can never do what you do. Yeah. Like, they, they look at us like we're some huge inspiration. I'm like, I'm, you know, just struggling to hang on with my kids each day, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and somehow we're superheroes.
1: And it's so frustrating because it's like, you know, when I've applied initially online or whatever, you've seen my resume, you've seen my education, you've seen my past jobs, you've seen mm-hmm. all my qualifications, yet suddenly because I have a guide dog, all of that disappears how does that make any sense? No, but I know. It, it in, happens. in the
0: back of their head, there's something that's yep. saying something, and how do we, how do we change that? I mean, my hope is, you know, what is it, um, Danielle? What's her name? She's on Dancing with the Stars right now.
1: Oh yeah, um, I that was know her a name.
0: Paralympian. Yeah, um, you know, if, if we can get more people out there like that, exactly.
1: Uh, yeah. Then,
0: then you know, maybe we can, we can. That's that. I think is the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eh, all right. So that, that's a happy thoughts. We got. All these great challenges ahead of us for employment. So happy Yay. National Disability Employment Awareness Month. Uh, there are some good things, though, and, and we need to talk about that. Because we talk about technology and, and how much that has come to help employment. I think where we're getting employed now is in much different career paths that were not possible when I was in school, that's for sure. Uh, when I think of the things that we can do, uh, it's it's definitely a more diverse makeup of employment options i think
1: oh yeah
0: and i, I don't know if i mean i'm gonna show my age claire if... <laughs> when i was a kid we were just all
1: chiseled on yes, why don't you
0: consider massage school of piano tuning <laughs> you know those are like the two things mm-hmm. massage school of piano and
1: tuning. I still hear those you know yeah no i know yeah. i know
0: so yeah. it's probably they're probably very sad i mean nothing against their i'm part of me thinks those are extremely satisfying jobs. I yeah, mean, and it, if it's it, what it's you want to you know, do,
1: then it's what you want to do. At least do. it's
0: not like, well, you do well in the dark, so have you thought about cleaning sewers or yeah. something like that? So there <laughs> yeah. could be a lot worse career paths. So there's nothing, n- no ill at all towards those. In fact, I know in uh, you know Korea, we've I've, I've done some work with Korea and Vietnam, and those are sort of the career paths that people take. I mean, the, that's kind of, you know, in, in the U.S., we have sort of, pathways we would you know vr tries to steer people into yeah Um, in those countries it's very much more overt
1: one of uh, my best friends is japanese and that her she's blind and that her mom said oh so you're going to be a masseuse and no mom that's not what i want to do yeah Yeah.
0: but all the masseuses i meet they were extremely cool and i'm almost jealous of them like i'd love to do that but
1: um, change of career sorry tony see you later yeah yeah yeah
0: moved to moved to la and So uh, in terms of some of the things going on with direct advocacy and employment, you know, we talk about mentoring. I I think there are some things we can do, uh, and a lot of this ties into what's called the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, WIOA, which was passed in 2014. It went into final rules a couple years ago. took a while to get the regulations crafted. But it's now the law of the land for all things getting people back to work. The thing that WIOA did was it really moved towards something called competitive integrated employment mm-hmm. or CI, CIA. which CIA, means yeah. that, you know, blind people have a right to make the, the same wage. We have the right to be treated fairly, have same upward mobility opportunities, and to be competitive in the workplace. You know, the jobs we get should be the jobs out in the community. Yeah. And they should also be integrated. Now that has raised a lot of concerns around folks that have worked in the historic nonprofits under what's called ability one. And there's been some news with ability one we'll, we'll talk about in a few minutes. But historically, there have been these nonprofits that have sort of created set aside jobs for people who are blind that work on federal contracts or state contracts mm-hmm. or commercial contracts. That are like you know, when I was a kid, it was making mops or brooms, and it's yeah. it's a much more diverse landscape of employment opportunities now. There's service contract jobs, there's IT jobs, infrastructure jobs, all these different types of work but it's still sort of a set aside it's still kind of like the easiest route because yeah. there are nonprofits that you know have to meet a, like a 75% ratio of, of employment of people who are blind so <clears throat> you know there's concerns around the integrated part of what does integrated mean and trying to redefine these ability one jobs within that space but the competitive integrated landscape uh, you know is is I think an admirable goal and, and the idea is that any job out there should be we should be equal at we yeah. should be um, I still feel like that we have huge misconceptions and, and social barriers to break down before the competitive. you know the competitive is a kind of a supply and demand. And when it comes to the employer demanding and the workforce being the supply, um, we've got to we've got to figure out ways to get the demand more to to be more accepting of our yeah. population. I think that's one of the big issues with the competitive side.
1: It's tough because part of me as somebody who's blind thinks, you know, why do we have to have these set-asides? You know, I hate that. I just want to be able to, you know, open up my newspaper, whatever we use now, whatever's you know, posting site, apply for a job, boom, be competitive, you know, not have to be any different in any way, shape, or form. But that's not the reality, you know? We no. live in this this world, like Tony was saying, it's 28 years later, but unfortunately things haven't changed that much. So I, I get the reality of it, you know? We all have rent to pay and, you yeah. know, bills to pay, so...
0: So within that, there's been a lot of focus in, uh, with, with WIOA on starting the clock for youth mm-hmm. and, and really focusing hard on getting youth to be competitive Super and sort important. of the next gen, the next generation of, of people with disabilities. So that because of that, there's been a, a lot of federal dollars have been diverted to focus specifically on youth. In fact, 15% of all VR funds is the focus on youth. That has created some constraints because our population, 15%, is not youth under the age of 26. They are overwhelmingly seniors, uh, uh, but also those 40s and 50-year-olds with diabetes, particularly in communities of color, and you know Hispanic-American, Latino-Americans growing significantly in the population. Uh, my son, the month he was born, was the first time that Caucasians, he, he was no longer the majority, um, but Hispanic-Americans is, is rapidly gaining large piece of our next generation of workforce. Um, and diabetes is much more prevalent in those populations, in those communities. And, and so that's going to raise significant problems in knowing that blindness is going to happen for 40- and 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds who still have 10, 20, or more years to work. Um, and where are they? And the VR dollars are getting are getting squeezed in that age group and, and making it more of a struggle. There used to be a thing called a homemaker outcome, and homemaker outcomes were essentially, you know, something that uh, would allow you to get the rehab services just to learn how to live blind.
1: Yeah, use a cane, cook at home, clean. Cook at
0: home, independent living skills, you know, to learn how to step out of the door before you can even think that you can work. Um, That's now been taken away because that technically a homemaker is not a competitive job. And so they removed that as well when they went, shifted all the attention to competitive integrated employment. And that's created a problem because there's no real way... Unlike if I had a, a severe back injury or you know an amputation uh, that led to my disability, and I, I would get physical and occupational therapy. Overwhelmingly, blindness does not cover has no coverage under any of those issues. And so it creates a huge sort of you know gap, if you will, in, in how we can get rehabilitation versus, the larger workforce that can be rehabilitated and get back to work yeah. so so we have these challenges how are we going to pay for rehab yeah these are things we're going to have to talk to and we're going to have to talk to them more because this ties to what's going on in congress right now we're in a continuing resolution till december under the federal government for most you know labor and health and human service agencies are funded level funding <clears throat> but going into next year we're going to see shortfall in revenues because of the tax bill from last year And that's going to ask them to raise some real serious questions because that's going to start putting the pinch even more on vocational rehabilitation. So we need to have conversations. And if you're listening to this and you have a voice and someone else around you has a voice, similar voice, and you're willing to amplify or echo those voices, we need to start having serious conversations. And this will probably focus into our policy efforts into next year into how do we work within this new paradigm of funding and of shortfall of funds on the issues we've already felt, the pinch. And we're only going to feel it more for the folks that are really, where do we meet the the majority of people who are losing their sight in this country? Yeah. And how do we get them back to work? Yes. So where's the biggest bang for the buck? I think misconceptions is going to be one of those big areas that we can really tackle, because that helps everybody, right? If we can conquer the misconception battle and, like, the psychological battle of giving people the incentive to go back to work, um, I think we can really tackle this on a macro scale. Uh, while we're we're worried on the sidelines about you know pinching pennies for cane travel and braille instruction and the other things, so that's where we are. It uh, with WIOA. Um, anything else on that front, Claire? Strike a bell or resonate? No, I think that's it. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. yeah.
0: Um, other policy areas we focus on tax credits. Yes. Uh, you know, there's been there are some some positive things taking place. Uh, there was a. Co- uh, a a bill in the House that's now in the Senate and it's gained some popularity in the Senate thanks to, to Senator Tammy Duckworth, Duckworth herself, a great senator with a disability
1: the uh, Disabled Access Credit <laughs> Expansion thank you, yes.
0: and, and what's the number so folks always ask what the, the Senate uh, numbers,
1: Senate 3459
0: so Senate Bill 3459, that was introduced by Senator Tammy Duckworth, it was also co-sponsored by Senator Casey from Pennsylvania, I think Hassan and Klobuchar also were co-sponsors on that bill what the bill does is it creates sort of a tax credit incentive and a way that we can use uh, sort of credits to, um, you know, get get people back to work. Yes. Uh, to encourage employers to spend, spend the money, and it pays off when you bring in things that can change. And make it more accessible for people with disabilities in your workspace
1: my dad used to always say you know if you invest in somebody from the get-go in the long run it's going to have you know they're going to be self-sufficient so we exactly. want to see that yeah
0: so that's a bill we're going to continue to watch and maybe advocate for you know there's going to be some tax packages that need to get passed in december november so keep that on your radar it might be something worth looking into after the election uh, all things are kind of on hold till after the election but But keep in mind, that could be something that could maybe be compromised or put into a tax bill. Yeah. Um, And and other than that, there's not too much on on the employment front. You know, we expect that in the new Congress, I'm sure there will be a jobs-focused piece of legislation. Uh, In the meantime, we're just getting ready for the next Congress, 116th Congress. Yep. And so, uh, you know, stay tuned. We'll be talking more after the election on what to look ahead for and what to start advocating for. Uh, But when we go into the lame duck, you know, probably the things that will get passed are the... You know the budget stuff that needs to get redone in December, and then some tax extender packages and that kind of stuff. So there might be some Christmas tree ornaments, as we call it, that could be hanged on. But
1: yeah,
0: that's pretty much it. Um, advocacy tip for the for the week. What do you think? Mentoring. Find someone you know. Yeah. Find someone you know. Yeah. Share the love.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, and, and and just
1: edu- educate yourself about what you the rights you have under WIOA under the Rehab Act under title 1 of the ADA people there's just a lot of misunderstanding which makes sense it's complicated but education is key
0: education is key so but thanks for listening check us out advocacy at acb.org send your, your last minute chance for to get those those names in uh, if you have a suggestion for a formal title, we're still just operating as the bland ACV advocacy <laughs> update. But let us know, and then we can reconvene here next week. Same time, same place. Well, same maybe place. not same exact time. But on Tuesdays, this will drop. And the next week is International White Cane Day. Woohoo. So we'll be talking about some international stuff next week. Yep. So thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Yep. Keep advocating.
0: Exactly. Keep advocating. Thanks. You've been listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. For more information, contact us at advocacyacb.org. Learn more about the American Council of the Blind by visiting us online at www.acb.org.